series that I'm going through just looking at how Jesus interacts with the people of his culture. And uh, last week we talked about the uh, Samaritan woman at the well, um, a woman who was very rude to Jesus, a woman who had a, a little bit of a lot of an attitude. Um, she just was pushing back at Jesus all the time, and she continued to do that. Um, she was an adulterous woman, very sinful. Um, she was not seeking after Jesus. Remember, she was just going to the well to get water. Jesus ran into her at the well, and they had this conversation that literally led to her salvation, and then an entire revival of Samaria. Um, but she was rudely putting Jesus off rather than seeking him, and yet, by the end of the story, his irresistible grace, his irresistible grace had worked its way into her heart, and uh, she, had, she saw a person that, even though he knew her past and her sin, even though he knew of, of her attitude and her rebellion and her stubbornness, um, Jesus still consistently loved her and offered her. Remember, he kept saying, aren't you thirsty? Wouldn't you like some living water? Wouldn't you like your soul to be satisfied with something more than all this that you're wrestling with? Remember, he just kept pushing that concept, and eventually she drank of the living water of Jesus Christ and trusted him as Savior and, and then led the whole town there. Well, today I want us to look in Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. Completely different story because this guy's actually seeking out Jesus. He's chasing Jesus down because he is in great need. And we find a lot of people who have no interest in Jesus or no interest in spiritual things. When they have a need in their life, especially a lot of times a medical need, um, they'll begin to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, look to God for help. They'll call out to Him for help. Well, here's a man who has leprosy, and uh, he's going to turn to Jesus. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. Very short and simple story this morning. And a leper, verse 40 says, A leper came to him, uh, beseeching him and falling on his knees... Uh, before him and saying to him, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 41, and moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned, Jesus sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said, see to it that you say nothing to anyone. Go show yourself to the priest, offer yourself Offer for your uh, cleansing, an offering for your cleansing for what Moses has commanded, for a testimony to them. But when he had be, uh, got, begun, but when he went out and began to proclaim it freely, to spread the news about to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter the city, but stayed out uh, in a, an unpopulated area, and they were coming to him from everywhere. So the end of the story is very similar. This man is so moved by what Jesus did, he can't stop broadcasting and talking about Jesus to the point that the town overwhelms Jesus and Jesus has to move out of town uh, to get some, a little bit of privacy and a little bit of peace there. Um, but this man was overwhelmed by the work that Jesus did. The beginning of the story is very different, though, and I want to just take you through a couple of principles this morning. Uh, first of all, I want to talk to you about just the leper himself, this man that has extremely high needs. And, and I would say to you that that's probably the best way to categorize what he has as a disease and what's going on in his life. Um, leprosy in, in Jesus' day, um, there's several uh, strains of leprosy, if you've ever read anything about it. The, the Middle Eastern leprosy was very, very uh, big problem. 
Um, very much like we consider cancer today. Uh, it was very contagious. There was no known cure. Um, you were banned from society because you could infect a whole uh, city. If you stayed in the city, you had to stay wrapped up and you had to shout that you have leprosy as you walked through the street so people would part their ways and not bump into you. Um, so it was a very lonely uh, lifestyle. Um, and you were just an outcast. And ultimately... Um, if you had leprosy, it was hopeless, and it was a disease that, that literally decayed the nerve end, your nerve endings uh, no longer functioned, and so you could be injured and not know it, and, and, uh, and it also just rotted off uh, the, the extremities of your fingers and your toes and your nose and your ears. Those kind of things just began to rot off because the nerve endings and the, the blood flow and all that wasn't working right. So not only was it a, um, this emotional challenge that you're an outcast, there's a physical challenge that goes with it that was just eventually grotesque. And uh, lepers were, were ter- terribly uh, rejected and not helped in that society. And all, most, mostly uh, there was, uh, people would group together in leper colonies, but you know, as the blind caring for the blind and the sick caring for the sick, they'd do what they could to make each other comfortable. But you were just hopeless. And uh, if you had a family, you can't see your family anymore. You can't touch your family anymore. There's no more hugs, no more goodnight kisses. Nothing. Um, so there's this horrible deal that goes with that. And uh, here's this man who has leprosy, and he knows he's in trouble, and he's going to seek out Jesus. And I want you to just look at his posture when he comes to Jesus this morning. His posture as he comes to Jesus is that of begging. It actually says, verse 41, a leper came to him beseeching, and the Greek word there is begging Jesus for help. And he does fall on his knees to beg Jesus for help. Um, And he actually believes in Jesus, by the way. He says, listen to his words, if you are willing, that's up to you, not me, if you are willing, I know you can make me clean. There's no doubt when he approaches Jesus, in his mind, he's like, this guy's my cure. He's the guy that can help me. And so he comes up to Jesus. Now, this is early in Jesus' ministry, by the way. There's not been a lot of miracle stuff done. He's done some healings. There's been a few things happened, but it's pretty early in the ministry of Jesus. So this man's faith has caught some wave somewhere that says, hey, here's my hope and my help, and I'm going to seek out Jesus and find him. Um, I'm going to find Jesus and get help. And, uh, and then you see just his heart as, as a, an individual. He is a, he is a believer in the work of Jesus Christ. So he's not, and he's very humble. He's begging Jesus on his knees to help, but he's not commanding him to, and he's not, he, he's coming with the, with the question that says, if you are willing, and by the way, in the, in the original Greek, there's, there's different ways to say if, um, we could say today, uh, if it rains, you know, we won't go to the park this afternoon, but in Mobile, you have no idea, that's an if that means, I don't know if it's gonna, I don't know if it, yes or no, maybe not, there are, there are, um, there are ifs in the New Testament, though, that are if you are, and I'm sure you are. Uh, if you're sitting in church today, then you understand this. And that's an if you are, and I know you are. Um, so this, this one is like that. The man saying, if you are willing, and I know you are able. If you are willing, and I know you could be willing, is what he's saying, you could make me clean. So he's got a very positive, he has a very negative life with a very positive outlook. You see what's in his heart and his head? Um, he's not approaching life with this fatalistic, oh my gosh, you know, this is horrible to me and this is terrible. He's looking for help 
and answers and hope. And so he approaches Jesus and says, I know you can do this if you wanted to. And I believe you would want to. So I'm going to fall on my knees humbly. I'm going to beg you for help. So here's the leper um, teaching us a very basic principle of life that's very evident in this passage. Because the leper is what's called a seeker. And our culture is filled with people who are seekers. I want to say to you as a church, we're supposed to be reaching these people who are seekers. Um, let, me, let me read you this passage out of Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, 11. Some of you, it's your life verse or your favorite verse. 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now listen to verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. Verse 13. This is the important one. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity, writing to Israel. So God is saying in the Old Testament of God and Jesus, If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. In other words, God's... Never going to stay hidden. This is something we need to say to our culture all the time. Uh, People that are far from God, that are in your circles that you influence and people that you witness to and minister to, you have this great news for them. And the great news is you can tell them if you seek God sincerely, you will find Him. He will be found by you and He will reveal Himself to you. Um, there's people that you know that are struggling. They're, they're struggling with, uh, they're suffering with maybe diseases in their family, maybe hurts, maybe uh, relational wounds. They've got all kinds of mess going on in their life. And they just feel helpless and hopeless, very much like this leper. Helpless and hopeless. I don't know how to get through this. I don't know if there's any, there's not going to be a good end to this, like leprosy. Um, this is just a terrible, terrible situation. Hopeless, helpless. You know, our nation just struggles really bad with depression. I mean, it's deep into our uh, culture now. There are lots of people that you see on a daily basis in your workplace. Lots of people that you run into, maybe some family members in your own family or extended family. They really struggle with that hopeless and helpless deal. And here's uh, the Old Testament promise of God saying, Look, if you really call unto me, I'm going to listen. And if you seek me, if you seek after me with all your hearts, that means sincerely, you're not just goofing around, but you're sincere, you will find me. I will reveal myself to you. What an amazing God we serve that he would reveal himself to us to begin with, much less to write a note in his letter to us to say, look, if you'll seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Never going to hide from that kind of guy. Not going to hide from the lady that's seeking with all her heart. Never. Never. And so I say to people all the time who, who are wrestling with God and they're doing all this, um, they got all these reasons that they can't come to, well, I just don't know if I believe in that whole six-day spoken creation thing. That's just weird that, you know, that it was just spoken like that because science doesn't really kind of agree with that. And so I don't know if I can handle all that. They go through all these things and I don't know if I believe in a God who you know, would allow suffering and all that. They got all these reasons that they won't come into a relationship with Christ, with God. And what I'll tell them is, look, you're not seeking sincerely. You're not seeking God sincerely. You're trying to disprove 
God that's really trying to reveal himself to you. There's this thing inside you. All of us have that God-shaped hole in our hearts, right? There's this thing inside you that says, I need something more in life. And here you are working to disprove God rather than to seek after God. You're not seeking uh, God openly because the minute you do, he's going to reveal himself to you. Um, now, it's interesting. If, we remember, if you remember from last week, when Jesus spoke with a Samaritan, uh, when she had that little concept of, uh, well, you worship in your mountain and we worship here at Jacob's well, so that's a whole other different deal with us. God says, but God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. So God's not only loving seekers, he's seeking seekers, okay? God seeks after people like this. He looks for people like this. And there are lots of seekers in our culture. I want to ask you as, our, as the pastor of your church, would you search those people out? Because they're looking for what you already have. They're looking for what you have. Listen to conversations. Um, at my, uh, the day of my brother's funeral here Tuesday, we came back here for lunch. Thank you all so much for the hours and hours of labor and work and help you put into all that for this uh, big week that we had here as a family. So it was a great lunch out back. And um, a man came in. I came back to my office to lay something down. Man was coming through the door. He'd never been here. He didn't know where he was going. He said, I'm trying to find the, the Givens family. I said, well, I'm one of them, so I can, and I can show you where the kitchen is. So I took him back to the fellowship hall, and uh, we went through into the gymnasium, and he got some food, and he sat down, and Gabe, uh, Lynn's oldest son, ended up sitting with him, and he's a former guy that worked with Lynn at, at another company Lynn was at, CML. And I can't remember his name off the top of my head now, but Gabe was telling me I visited Gabe in the hospital. He's healing in the hospital again, so... I visited him, and he said, hey, we need to go help that guy. He said, uh, you know, he had no idea what the whole faith thing uh, was all about. He, he kind of knew Lynn's faith issue of coming to God and all that, but he didn't know enough. And Gabe was like, we, we got to talk to that guy. I mean, he was hungry to know more, and Gabe was like, I kind of fumbled through that a little bit, but I want you to go meet with him. And so here's Gabe saying, he's a seeker. He showed up at an event uh, where he was here to comfort us and, and help us. And then somehow in his and Gabe's conversation, faith came up and Gabe said, here's a guy that's seeking. And he put him on my radar when I went to the hospital. He goes, you got to go find this guy. I said, I'm on that. I'm going to call him up and thank him for coming and tell him I didn't get a chance to sit with him and meet with him. But I want, I want him to know the real faith. You know, just like I shared at the, at the funeral. My brother's not in heaven because he was a good guy. Not in, he's sure not in heaven because he's a Givens or a Maples. That was our background. That has nothing to do with how Lynn got to heaven. He went to heaven because he trusted Jesus Christ, the only means of his salvation. That's our only hope. That's our only hope. As any family that sits here, that's your only hope. And we have that hope very secure today. And I want this guy to really understand that. And, I, and then, you know, it will be a great chance for me to ask him about his faith. So there are lots of seekers in our culture. And listen to this. Some come with all kinds of obstacles to their faith. They have questions about the Bible. Is the, how could this be in written by God. I mean, really, men had to write it down. And wouldn't men make mistakes? Well, you go, well, yeah, they could, they could. <laughs> well, you know, you believe that this doesn't have any errors in it? I go, yeah, that's what I believe with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I'm on the other side of the line. You're on that side asking a lot of questions. I'm on this side, you know? And uh, so, so there's this concept in our head that, that people have all these questions and they have all these hang-ups. They have religious wounds. They have people that have wounded them. You know, people that they've known that judge them or hurt them, and they have these religious wounds, and they say, you know, I'm just, I just don't know if I want to be a part of that group that does that. 
you weird Christian people. So they're out there kind of freaking out about all that. And I just want you to understand that there's a lot of obstacles, but there's a lot of study being done now about people in our age, young, young adults and middle-aged adults that come to Christ. And by the way, they don't solve all their questions when they finally come to Christ. They don't have to, and you don't have to be able to answer all their questions. They don't even have to answer all their questions when they connect to God. Because when you connect to Christ, when you connect to Christ, you're having a personal relationship with Him. You're, you're saying, I want to have a personal relationship. And when you seek Him and He seeks you back out, it's a connection right there. There's a personal relationship that, ha- that happens right there. And so most adults don't come to Christ after all their questions have been answered. They let the questions become less important uh, than the need they have to find hope or help. You say, well, that's kind of weird, isn't it? I want to say to you, anybody here that's married, if you're married, raise your hand. You all did exactly that with your... There's no way, unless you all are just way different than me, you got married having answered all the questions about the marriage thing. It's like, how in the world am I going to take... I can't even feed myself. How am I ever going to have enough money to feed a wife? And then if she wants kids, oh my gosh. We'll never, ever, ever have enough money for that. Do you know what a pastor made back in 1979? That was a terrible deal, you know? Like, there's no way this is ever going to work, God. You know, I don't know how to do that. And then there's the, you know, what if I, you know, what if, uh, you know, what if I'm a terrible husband? You know, and she just hates me. What if we get married? I mean, you know, the dating thing's fine, but then what if we get married and she absolutely hates me? You know, and the guys, don't tell me that doesn't cross your mind. You know, what if I just mess this all up? Right? Did I, did I solve all those questions before I stood right here on the old orange carpet? Um, did I solve all the questions before I stood there and said I do to Annette? Nope. Did I go into it absolutely terrified? Yep. Did I nearly faint in the bathroom back here getting dressed in my all-white tux with a white tie? Yep. But did I come out here and make a commitment? I sure did. And did it work out? So far, <laughs> we're okay. So far, we're good, you know? And I haven't been, I've been pretty stupid, and she's still here, so I don't know what that says about her. But you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't have to solve all the questions. Neither do the people you're trying to help, the seekers that are in our culture. You don't have to answer all their questions They don't even have to answer all their questions. What they have to do is sincerely seek to know God. So here's something you can say to them when you're talking to somebody that's got all these... I know Cody and some of the young guys get in all these conversations with these guys. They're just... They're pushing back with this theology and they got all these barriers. They're trying to, to, to... you know, solve the science thing, and they want to understand the six days of creation, and they want to understand evolution, and, you know, they want to figure all that stuff out, and virgin birth, how in the world is that ever going to happen? You know, that can't happen. So there's all that stuff they're trying to stir up. So some of those people, you just, after a while, you just got to look at them and say, I'm asking you to do me a huge favor as your friend. I'll debate all this with you all day long. We can talk about anything you want. I'll show you the Bible verses that I believe, and you can talk about all the science that, you know, you think's right. That's fine. Uh, here's what I'm asking you. At nighttime, when you're ready to go to bed, would you please do this? Just pray to the God you don't believe in and say, God, I don't even believe in you, but will you help me seek after you? That if you are real, I want to seek after you. Now, you get, some, you get a non-believer praying to God, saying, I'm trying to figure this out. You tell me God won't turn up that deal and stir that up in their hearts and reveal himself dramatically to them, dramatically to them. So it's, as a church... We have the responsibility to introduce people to a personal Jesus. 
And anybody you know that's seeking, just listen in the culture. Just listen. When you hear people talk about, oh, I'm so worried about somebody in my family that's sick or somebody in my family is going through a divorce, I'm so worried about them. That's a, that's a seeker right there saying, I've got this, it's a leprosy, I've got this wound, I've got this hurt. I don't know exactly. And so you can just step in and say, would it be okay if, uh, if we pray for that? If, if my church, if I, if, could, could I and some of my friends at church pray for that situation with you? And they'll go, no, I'd rather you not know, don't, don't deal with it. That's fine. Just go, okay, just step back. Let God handle that. But if they say, oh, that'd be great, thanks so much. You know, all the time I got to spend at the hospital with my brother and all, you should run into so many people. They're, they're coming and going. And they're these, you know, the same cars and the same parking spaces all the time when I would go. And eventually, you know, I'm coming out with the same people going, hey, uh, y'all got somebody in the thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's going, had a, my father had a stroke. I'm like, oh, really, my dad had strokes. I know how that is. You know, instantly we're connected. So we stood in the lobby of the hospital. We talked for a little while, and I told this gentleman, I said, you know, I'm going to pray for you. Now, he's, you can tell he's not interested in church at all. I said, but I would love to be able to pray for you personally. And uh, if, you, if you want me to, I'll have the church pray. He goes, no, I don't want his name anywhere. And I said, that's okay. I'll just pray by myself. I'll just pray for you. I said, you know, my brother's in the hospital. I, I, I can deal with this with you, just me and you, you know. And so, you know, I try to run into him now. I was hoping to see him the other day when I saw Gabe, and I, I didn't see his car there. I kind of know his car now, so... But, you know, God opens these doors to us for seekers, and we've got to be willing to walk through those and to expose them. You know what you're trying to expose them to? The Savior. The Savior that that you've been exposed to. The the Savior, the healer, and the helper. And I believe God orchestrates and plans for seekers to meet true followers. I think God literally runs people right past you all the time and right past me all the time. And the goal is for you to help them. He's just bumping them into you all the time so you can help and expose them to Christ. Psalm 107, verse 8 and 9. It's not in your notes. You might want to add it right above Isaiah there. Psalm 107, 8 and 9 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. For He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Thank the Lord that He satisfies us. He satisfies us. Isaiah 55. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you will. You who have no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what's not bread and your labor on what doesn't satisfy? Listen. Listen to me God says. And eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair from God. Your soul will delight. If you will come to God, He will satisfy the thirst and the hunger in your very soul. So we look at our text again. We see this leper that's in this horrible situation. Horrible situation. Then we see Jesus' response. And it's just real simple. Boy, this is just straightforward, isn't it? Jesus receives the leper. He welcomes him. He hears his request, just like the Old Testament said he would. And then the Bible says he has compassion on him. That means something in Jesus' heart was moved to solve the problem. That's something we lack in our culture, by the way. Something that Christians could bring into our culture that's very different. If we would live with the compassion of Jesus in our lives, we will help people that don't deserve help, and we'll help people that are hurting, and we'll display Jesus more often. And then Jesus does something that blows everybody's mind there. I guarantee you there was a gasp that went out. When Jesus put his hand forward towards this man. The man's kneeling. He's begging Jesus. 
And I guarantee you the disciples are like, whoa, stay back, stay back, everybody back, everybody back. It's a big circle around the man. Not Jesus. He actually reaches out. He puts his hand on a leper. He touches him. You know why? This man hadn't been touched ever since he was declared leprosy. With leprosy, whether it was weeks or days or years ago, he hasn't been touched. He hasn't felt somebody touch him at all. And so here's this gentle hand of the healer that touches him and says, I'm willing. And then he heals him, which is the ministry that he needed. He needed his physical body healed. But then he gives him those instructions. He says, look, could you just keep this between us for a little while and the little crowd that's here? Just go tell your priest because you got a whole lot of cleansing thing that the priest has to declare you to come back into the community. All these uh, Old Testament things you got to do to to be allowed back into your family. Go take care of all that stuff you're supposed to do. And just shh. The guy's like, there's no way I'm going shh through all this. You know? And so, and not just being a, a begging believer, he becomes a broadcaster of his faith. I think he literally was like, right, yeah, quiet. And he just turns and he just runs. Now, he's had leprosy, life-threatening, life-ending Horrible leprosy, and he doesn't have it anymore. Can you imagine somebody that you, that's that healed from that place, and you're going, don't tell anybody. I don't know what Jesus, because when I get to heaven, it's one of my questions. I got a little piece of paper. I got all these questions. I hope they go with me in the rapture, because I'm going to ask him, how did you ever expect that guy not to talk? How? There's no way. He has to tell. He has to tell. So he busts out of that place, and he goes running back, I'm sure, towards the priest, because he's at least started off in the right path. But then anybody that's like, hey, man, what's going on? Why? And he's like, oh, you'll never believe. And he's just got to tell everybody what happened to him. Because he's so full of this work that Christ did in his life. He's so full of this grace that just dumped out on him right there. When he fell before Jesus and begged, Jesus said, gotcha, healed. Oh, and shh. He's like, oh, man, I'm busting out with grace here. I can't not tell. And it, apparently, apparently he knew a lot of people or ended up telling a lot of people because within the next few hours, Jesus is having to move out of town. I mean, he told so many people, Jesus couldn't even stay in that place. He couldn't hold it back. That's really how grace is supposed to affect you and I. You understand that? The grace that happened at your salvation. See, you were once uh, broken and wounded and hopeless and helpless, just like me. We were sinners, lost, bound straight for hell. Straight for hell. And there was no hope of us not hitting hell and busting it wide open. No hope. Until Jesus Christ said, oh, I love them so much, I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to pay for their sins. I want to have a personal relationship with me. God so loved the world that... Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but would have everlasting life. And if we trust in Christ our Lord and Savior, Jesus says, no more hell. It's all heaven for you. I'm going to save you from the judgment of sin. I'm going to give you my righteousness and let you stand before God Almighty all your days. Right? Isn't that amazing? It's the same thing that happened to the leper. It just happened to you. And shouldn't we broadcast it a little more boldly? I'm just asking, shouldn't we be a little more proud, a little more bold, a little more excited about that deal? Because we were just like the leper. Our sins, Isaiah talks about sin being a disease of the body. And Isaiah says our, our bodies were decaying in sin. 
That God has to, he's the only hope that can stop that from happening. So here Christ comes and saves us from our sins. Jesus is a very personal Savior. He's a helper and a redeemer, and he offers irresistible grace. Now, I want you to get this. Jesus is the kind of God that touches the untouchable, he reaches the unreachable, and he redeems the unredeemable. That's the kind of Christ, that's the kind of Savior, that's the kind of friend, that's my Savior and my Redeemer, that's who I know. Would you want to tell people about him? He's not afraid to touch the untouchable. Or he's not afraid to reach the unreachable. I've told you the story. My dad, Dallas Givens, <clears throat> the original Dallas Givens, Dallas, not, not little Dallas, but the original Dallas. My dad, Dallas Givens, was unreachable in my mind. I mean, I had, we, mother had dragged him to church for years and he'd gotten put out with that deal and a little Baptist church down in Crichton hurt him and so he was kind of done with all that and he never went to church. Much later in life, sat out here in church, but still not really connected. Never gave his heart to Christ. He was just hard. My dad was so hard-hearted about the things of God. So hard-hearted. I would try to talk to him about those when I'd come home from Bible college, tell him some of the things I'm learning about God and all these neat, cool things. And dad just had no interest in it. None. Flatlined. Like, wow. And I just quit praying for him after a while. You know, he... Didn't seem to have any real love for God or love for the things of God. And just I just quit praying. Mom never quit praying. 42 years. Never quit praying. Three months before he passed away, David J. Jones, founding pastor of this church, went to him in the hospital after one of his strokes and led Dallas Givens to Jesus Christ. Irresistible grace. He redeemed an unredeemable guy. I'm telling you, Dad was a mountain of resistance and hard-heartedness. That had to get to the three months before he passed away place in his life where he said, Oh, I can't resist this anymore. And he asked Jesus to save him. And I'll never forget my brother Lynn calling me at Birmingham and saying, You'll never believe what happened. And he told me dad got saved. And I'm like, Yeah, right. Sure. I've lost your minds down there. You know, no way. He goes, Oh, no. You see him, it'll be different. He's a different guy. I said, No. But I drove down just to see dad. He was sitting in his bright, in a bright vinyl orange recliner, hideous vinyl orange recliner. Sat right in the center of our living room and had one of the lights from the restaurant that hung down over it. And uh, um, Dad sat right in the middle of this living room in his little recliner and he had his little table there and his walker and all this stuff. And I remember coming through the French doors and looking him in the eyes. And his eyes weren't the same. There wasn't a cold cold dad there anymore Jesus had moved into dad's heart and just softened him enough to see him into heaven and it was a rich rich moment for me to look at my dad's face and realize oh dad you are different you know God's done a work in you the mighty hand of Jesus had redeemed an unredeemable and touched an untouchable and reached an unreachable everybody you're praying for on your prayer list is like that They're not bigger than God, though, are they? We have the responsibility to tell the people of the message of the gospel and let it do its work. We have the responsibility to expose people to the help and the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ and let God do his work. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning.